0: first reading is found in James that's just after Hebrews chapter 2 James chapter 2 beginning at verse 1 through to verse 17 My brothers and sisters, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or oh, sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. This is the word of the Lord
1: is found in Mark chapter 7, commencing at verse 24, and reading to the end of the chapter. Mark 7, verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter first let the children eat all they can he told her for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs lord she replied even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs then he told her for such a reply you may go the demon has left your daughter. So she went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. When Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Susidom down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis, then some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could not talk and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After I took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spat and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven, and with a deep sigh said to him, Epaphaphah, which means, be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said, He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is the gospel of Jesus.
2: Anita, thank you for your welcome. You introduced me as someone who habitually worships at St. Mary's, which of course is correct, but I feel a special affinity with Meadgate because as some of you will know, Uh, Di and I live in what used to be the Meadgate Vicarage, where both Peter Nicholson and Moniz lived. So we feel as if there's a a spiritual connection between us and where we spend our days and nights uh, and this uh, particular church. I wonder what sort of sermon you prefer to engage with. Um, Maybe you don't like sermons at all, in which case, tough luck, I'm preaching. Um, But some of you, I suspect, will prefer more theological sermons, something that will engage with who God is and how he behaves and what his character is like, Uh, um, something more theological. Uh, Others of you will prefer sermons which are more practical. So what should we do? in the light of what Scripture says. Well, our two readings today, and therefore my sermon, I hope, is going to address both preferences. The the Gospel reading, and I'm concentrating particularly on the first part, um, uh, poses some questions to us. Uh, And the James reading, and for that I'm concentrating more on the end of that reading, uh, gives us some practical instruction. Now the Gospel reading uh, may, uh, may be a bit of a shock, especially if you subscribe to the gentle, Jesus, meek and mild school of thought. Because here he is, um, going about his ministry, and he is, if you'd like, interrupted. Uh, This Syrophoenician woman, we're not told her name, uh, comes, interrupts what he's doing, begs him to bring healing to her daughter. And it seems like Jesus treats her as a second-class citizen, he doesn't usually do that, does he? He's usually welcoming to all. And here he says to her, in response to her request, first let the children eat, for it's not right to take their food and toss it to the dogs. How politically incorrect can you get? When have you ever said anything remotely like that to somebody else? I suspect never. But the woman, surprisingly, isn't crushed. She doesn't disappear in tears. Rather, she comes back Well, actually, think about it. If this was your child, who was ill at home, wouldn't you do everything you possibly could to bring healing to her? And this woman knew that Jesus could do it. She had the most remarkable faith, and yet she was not part of what was then known as the people of God, the Jewish people. She was, as it were, an outcast, uh, spiritually unclean. But she didn't come back um, as a victim. She didn't come back to Jesus oh, as, as, as if I deserve it or my daughter deserves it. She didn't argue with him. She simply made an observation... Just give me a crumb that falls from the table. No argument about the difference between the Jewish people and her own people. Just give me a crumb. And Jesus delights to do it. Her daughter is healed. But this raises a bit of a theological question. Did you notice in one of the songs we sang earlier, uh, we boldly declared that God never changes? Well, it looks like Jesus has changed his mind. Because it appears that initially he says, no, get lost, it's not right to do it, and then he does it. Does God change his mind? I think I think this is more to do with timing than it is to do with God changing his mind have you ever had the experience that you pray for something and you seem to get the answer no but you keep on persevering in prayer because you feel that's the right thing to do. And you keep on praying, and then suddenly the answer's yes. Has God changed his mind? Maybe not. Maybe God has a better sense of timing than we do. Sometimes it's good to ask, Lord, when do you want to do this? Or when should I do it? Timing is important. And here, you see, Jesus is sent to bring restoration and renewal to the, the old people of God, the Jewish people. That was, that was his mission. But don't forget that the call of the Jewish people of God Was to be a blessing to the whole world. Do you remember the account of the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem? It's called to be a house of prayer. Who for? For all the nations. It's not a place just of worship for the Jewish people. It's a house of prayer for all the nations. It was always God's intention that the blessing to his chosen people would flow out to the whole of creation. So I think it's more about timing than changing of mind. The Jewish people had to some extent forgotten their role they had forgotten that they were there to bless others you see relationship with God and salvation has always been something for everybody not just for the individual it was for the Jews first and then for the whole world Well, let's turn to James and chapter 2. This too is a controversial book. Uh, You have probably heard that the great reformer Luther didn't think much of the book of James and he called it the epistle of straw. Um, he wanted nothing to do with it. Why? Well, he was worried about James's linking of faith and works, of what we believe and what we do. Now, uh, we need to be aware of Luther's context. Uh, he was uh, a reformer, he wanted to change the practices of the then Roman Catholic Church, he was really clear that salvation was only through the grace of God and received by faith, that nobody could earn salvation. You couldn't pay for it. You couldn't live such a holy and good life that you deserved it. It could only come as gift... okay so here is James just beyond where the reading finished today in verse 20 James says this faith without deeds faith without action is useless ooh well Not surprisingly, Luther didn't really like that. Uh, His mission was to change the church. Um, He wanted um, a removal of all the practices like indulgences and other things that gave the impression that you could pay for or earn your own salvation. Of course, you can't. It's a shame, I think, That Luther didn't like it. Um, I don't want to set myself up in opposition to Luther. He was a great church leader. But I think uh, James is perhaps one of the best summaries of how to live the Christian life that scripture gives us. And it's only five chapters. You could read it all while the potatoes are cooking, and before you eat lunch. The mistake that was made by the Jewish people is the same mistake that James is addressing amongst Christians. The Jews said, we belong to God because of our heritage. They looked back to the great leader, Abraham, Uh, They traced their heritage through the female line. That's what makes you Jewish. If your mum's Jewish, then so are you. Um, It's demonstrated amongst the men in circumcision. And that's all it takes to show that we're part of God's people, said some of the Jewish people. And then Christians have said... We have faith in Jesus Christ, and that's all it takes to be a member of God's family. Both, of course, are partially right. But both manage to miss the main point. God chooses people, loves people, equips people in order that there is a purpose in the sharing of his love and his grace with us, it's in order that we might show that same love and grace to others. Crumbs must fall from the table whenever God's people meet. Yes, our salvation is secure. Jesus has done all that is necessary. There is nothing more to be done, nothing that we can add to what he has already done. We're safe. We're loved. We are already living in eternal life. But now... As the chosen people of God, we are responsible for sharing that blessing with others and with the world. For the Syrophoenician woman, it was healing for her daughter. For us, it might be visiting someone who's alone. It might be sharing food with someone without. It might be giving to someone who has no money. It might be sharing possessions with someone who is homeless. It might be giving away what we don't need. It might be supporting charities like the one we've heard of today. Salvation is available to all. But that's God's business. It's only by his spirit that someone will be drawn into God's family. Our business, as the people of God, is to have a concern for everyone, for the whole family of the human race, not just our church family. And that concern expands beyond the human race to the whole of creation and the environment and world in which we live. We're called to share what we have, to scatter the crumbs so that many may benefit. So, two things. You can do some theological reflection on the nature of God. Today? Does he change? Or what about the issue of timing? How does that affect your relationship with God, the things that you are concerned for, the things that you are praying about? And then there's something practical to do. And can I suggest that you read the whole of the letter of James? and let him speak to you. And then maybe, well, there's an easy answer, isn't there, for something practical that you can do. You can support little Eddie. Um, But don't stop there. What other crumbs can you share with your family, with your neighbours, with people in this community, with God's world. Even though you may not mention the name of Jesus, you will actually be fulfilling God's law. Let's make a difference. Amen.